It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. 60 years of family culture. Join the Robson Civil Projects team for the opportunity of a lifetime. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. Your rugby league coverage on SEN starts now. Welcome to NRL Crunch Time. Yes, it is crunch time. Welcome wherever you're listening across the SEN network. I'm Matt White. Welcome to our listeners on SEN 11.70am in Sydney, SENQ 693 in Queensland, SEN 1620am on the Gold Coast and wherever you're listening via the SEN app and the SEN podcast. We are at the Sydney Cricket Ground today ahead of what will be a very emotional match between the Roosters and the Cowboys. James Magnuson and Anthony Seabold are with me for crunch time. G'day, gents. G'day, Matty. Good to see you at Missile. We spent a fair bit of time at the Commonwealth Games together. Good to see you as well, Siebes, here on a glorious day at the SCG. It's a beautiful afternoon for footy. Yeah, great afternoon for football. Um, I think the Cowboys-Roosters game, both teams are in great form. So hopefully we get a good crowd. Um, I know the Roosters generally don't get too many, but they're expecting about 14,000. So uh, get out here and support your team and uh, yeah, can't wait for the game. I thought on the way in, Matty, I thought this is a bumper crowd today for the Cowboys-Roosters game. Yeah. The car park was packed, people everywhere. People everywhere. And then I realised the City to Surf accreditation tent was set up <laughs> next door. So they weren't actually Roosters fans, they were running enthusiasts. Well, that's exactly what I saw. I got, got through the car park and then I popped out and I saw all these people walking around from the Horden Pavilion and then I went, yeah. I did exactly the same as you and then I noticed that they had their City to Surf bibs. Yeah. And I said, hang on a sec, since when did the City to Surf finish at Moore Park? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever started. done the city to surf? I haven't. I haven't. And I had a very good excuse because during the Channel 10 days of coverage, I commentated the city to surf. So my get out Is it on clause, TV, is it? Yeah. My oh, get out clause was excuse, had to host yeah. and commentate it. Could, have you done it, Steve? No, never. No, but um, they, they do tell me it's a great um, event. A few of yeah. the, the staff I used to work with at uh, the Rabbitohs um, did it one year and they tell me the socialising afterwards is outstanding. The social, yeah, the yeah, socialising is so. good. This year they'll be running past my house so I'll wave from the balcony. <laughs> I did it once and about seven kilometres in, I realised exactly why I was a swimmer and not a, not runner. a runner. And on the home straight into Bondi, when two guys in full-size bananas and pyjamas <laughs> outfits overtook me, that was basically the low point <laughs> of my day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had the pleasure of commentating with the great Rob DiCostello um, for a couple of years, which was awesome to get his insights. You could have sat there and talked to him all day. And actually, one of the things we spoke about in our Commonwealth Games coverage, I said to Deke, what's the first thing you look for when you're looking for a runner who's struggling in, in the fatigue sense? And he said, I look at their head. And if their head's starting to wobble, then that's trouble. And I asked the missile the very same question when the Kyle Chalmers stuff seems is going on in the Com Games. 
what was the first thing that you looked for? And you look, you said you look into their eyes and you could see that he was struggling emotionally and physically, etc. However, he went out and delivered. So it's a really interesting take. When you're looking at a footy player out there who you, you might need to replace or who's struggling, what do you look for? Yeah, again, it's body language, but often you're looking for hands on hips or you actually look like on a kick chase line, yeah. you're actually looking for that head wobble as well. Like you, you, you start to have a look at the forwards, the head will wobble on a kick, kick, kick chase line. So, um, yeah, body language is key. Just on that, on body language. So remember when you were training growing up and the coach would always say the best way to get in air is stay upright, hands yeah. on head or something. I read a study the other day, the best position to take in oxygen when you're really gasping, hands on knees, bent over. So remember the coach would always oh, say, don't bend over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stand up, <laughs> up, up, chest high, hands on head, don't bend over. It's a myth. We'll lie Mate, to we all used to get, We used to get uh, penalties down at Canberra when I played years ago down there if we, if we bent over. There you go. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. I love busting myths like that. What was your go-to when you are on pool deck to try and put a bit of fear into the opposition? Uh, so the big one in swimming behind the blocks is a bit of slapping. So you can do a slap where you flick your arms and your bicep hits your lat. So if you could do a couple of big slaps and people look across, so, whoa. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Go, go back. You do a slap where your bicep... Yeah, so if you flick your bicep down, yeah. it can slap on your lat and make like a clap sound. Right. So you just slap the biceps before you race. Blokes are looking along the line at like who they're racing. But this is, the, this is the big... So the big one in swimming was Michael Phelps used to be able to bend over before he raced, slap his arms behind his back, and they'd almost touch each other behind his back. He's got freakishly long arms. And he'd do this big oof and slap himself on the back. And uh, I'd heard about it but never raced him before. And I was leading off the relay for Australia in 2011. And uh, I hadn't looked who was leading off for other nations yet. And so I didn't really know who I was racing. They just brought me in for the final. I was leading off for Australia. And they blow the whistle to get up on the blocks. And I hear this, whoo. And I looked across. I was like, holy shit, I'm racing Michael Phelps today. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first time I ever raced him. But that was his, uh, that was his thing. So yeah. you knew when you were racing Phelps when you heard that big boof on the, on the blocks. When he had that body too, like you say, the freakishly long arms and the disgustingly weird torso. Yeah, yeah, Essentially yeah, yeah. no legs. Yeah. Perfectly yeah. built for swimming. Yeah. Uh, 0457 736 736 is our text line if you'd like to be part of the conversation this afternoon or you can give us a call. 1300 01 1170 is the open line. Keep your thoughts coming through and we'll get through those as we count down towards kickoff between the Roosters and the Cowboys. So eighth versus second on the ladder round 22, of course, of the NRL, and it's a picture here at the Sydney Cricket Ground today. However, gentlemen, the uh, the biggest talking point, obviously, over the last few days, and it's been incredible to see the reaction to the news that broke of uh, Paul Green's passing pretty much a month short of turning 50 years of age. So just 49, um, a father of two, of course, a premiership-winning coach, a man who had coaching and uh, playing links to both of these teams that are going to be out here today, Siebes, the Roosters and the Cowboys. So it's it's going to be a, a weird feeling, I think, out here today. I mean, that you know, we're at the back end of the season, both of these clubs, especially the Roosters, trying to fight for their position in the top eight. Yet there's going to be a dark cloud hanging over this one. Yeah, there certainly is. Um, you know, Paul Green played for the Roosters and in 2013. He was the under-20s coach and also one of uh, Trent Robinson's assistants. So they won the premiership uh, that year. So obviously his legacy is, is quite strong here. And then obviously being the uh, the one and only, um, you know, premiership winning coach with the North Queensland Cowboys um, in 2015, 
you know, as you suggest, both teams are, are very close to Greeny and, um, you know, tragic circumstances and such a, a shock during the week. And um, you're having a long uh, history myself with Greeny, uh, have a co- having coached against him at every level, have, having played against him many years ago. Um, yeah, just a great deal of sadness and, um, and um, you know, I, I suppose thinking about his family and, um, you know, the, the hurt. Um, and, you know, you can't imagine how they're feeling. Mm. But, uh, yeah, certainly really sad week. He was a fiery little number seven. When you when you go back and start to remember Paul Green as a player, he was um, an elusive little bloke. I mean, that was back in the days when the jumpers were much bigger than what they are now. So he almost got <clears throat> squallowed up in that number seven <laughs> jersey. But he was a thinking footballer too and a thinker away from the game as well. I remember, you know, in early days through Sports Tonight, etc., when Greeny was coming through that we'd go and do stories on him when he was learning to get his uh, his pilot's licence. He loved it up in the sky, both in fixed wing and in helicopters as well. So quite a character both on and off the field. Yeah, he certainly was. He was a super intelligent guy. Um, you know, not only had he got his helicopter's licence, he went over to, to Harvard and, and completed a course over there uh, whilst he was coaching the Cowboys. He was forever trying to, to learn and be curious and, and that was something I admired uh, a whole heap about Granny. He, he um, you know, just didn't think that he knew it all. He, he wanted to continue to grow in that space. And, um, you know, one of the things that people in Sydney probably don't understand was the influence he had on the Brisbane competition back in the early 90s. And I first came up against Greeny in 1992, and I was only 17 at the time, and I was with the Broncos, and um, they put me with a team called Brisbane Brothers, and Brisbane East were one of the, the better sides at the time. And I remember uh, playing A-grade at the call at the time, um, coming off the bench and playing against Greeny, and he was the, the, the young halfback who was a bit of a superstar in the competition, you know, Queensland the 19 halfback at the time, Johnny Lanco that particular team and um, he made two grand finals in a row as a halfback with Brisbane East and he won the Rothmans medal in 1993 so he had a really mm. I suppose decorated career um, as a young player before he came down to Cronulla and I know talking to him he thought that was a great stepping stone for him to come through that Brisbane or Queensland Cup it's called now Pathways um, as a young player rather than play against guys his own age like he was actually a young player playing against men some who have been and played in the Winfield Cup as it was called in those days yeah. Um, so I think that sort of set him up to have a really good career uh, when he came down with Johnny Lang in, in 1994 uh, because he was outstanding for, for the Cronulla Sharks. In his second year, as I said, he won the, the Sydney version of the, uh, yeah, the Rothmans medal. So, um, yeah, so outstanding uh, player and probably an even better coach, you'd probably say. 162 first-grade games. He played 95 games for the Sharks, 35 for North Queensland, 20 for the Roosters, also games for Parramatta and Brisbane. And as you mentioned, a, a stellar career before he came down to Sydney. Queensland State of Origin player, Australian representative as well, and um, premiership winning coach. Uh, 167 games coached between 2014 and 2020 at North Queensland. So such an incredible history at the Cowboys. Um, it, it is James Tedesco's 200th game today here at the SCG. That should be one of the key celebrations. But obviously, a lot of thought will go into remembering Paul Green. There will be a minute silence. I've read during the week that Trent Robinson in particular and obviously Todd Payton have said, we're keeping an eye on our players. We, we, we don't know if any players might be affected and might need to sit this one out, but they're going to keep an eye pretty much all the way up until kickoff, which is great to hear. There will be black armbands uh, worn by both of these teams today. And as I mentioned, a minute silence here at the SCG today as the game remembers Paul Green. Sad news. The Rugby League world is in mourning with the sudden death of Premiership winning coach Paul Green. 
49 year old passed away at his Brisbane home this morning, Thursday. He was my kick and catching coach when I was coming through at the Broncos, and he was also my coach uh, when I was at Wynnum. Uh, you know, I, a small amount to do with him, but in the time that I did, it was actually really interesting. The year that I was at Wynnum, um, I ended up signing with another club to leave, but we had a really tough start to the season, really tough, lost quite a few games. But Greeny managed to turn the Wynnum Seagulls around. They won the Premiership that year, so... He's a fighter. Uh, it's a very sad day. Right, but the key thing is, is that we keep our patience. Strong into goal, bend the line, but play patience. Get them into that grime. This week our theme is what? Whatever it takes. So whatever it takes. For, for the next 40 minutes, whatever it takes, you find the energy, stick to the plan, trust each other and back each other up. Right, let's start well. Start well, boys. W-I-T, whatever it takes. Uh, a common theme amongst coaches, but when you hear it there being delivered by Paul Green and obviously Cam Smith and Denon Kemp talking about uh, what unfolded on that Thursday, um, it sort of takes you into the fighting spirit of the bloke, doesn't it? He, he was a little guy who was always fighting, whether it was out there as a player or as a coach. So in, in terms of what you saw from him as a coach, Siebes, what, what do you think the key to Paul Green's success was? I think he was very innovative. I think... Um he, he started coaching at Winner Manly Seagulls. And when I say about innovative, um, we all know Jake Granville now is a hooker and he's been an outstanding hooker for the Cowboys. At that time, um, and I remember what Dan Kent was talking about, they lost their first four or five games in a row and they went on to win the premiership that year. But one of the changes he made about week six of that season, because I was coaching in Mackay, like for the Mackay team in the same competition, he put great uh, Jake Granville, he, he would play him in defence at, at fullback because he was great at organising the line and he would play a dummy half in attack. And because he was super, he was super, um, you know, fast out of dummy half, almost like a, a younger or an early version of Damien Cook. That's the sort of speed that yeah, Jake right. Granville had back in the day. So as I said, like that, that's quite unusual, isn't it? He'd wear the number one, but he would defend as a fullback, organise the defensive splits, and then play as a, as a nine. So he sort of um, was was out there with his thinking. I think by the time he got to the Cowboys, um, you know, he had Jonathan Thurston to work with. He certainly changed the way they played. And again, um, you know, Michael Morgan, he changed his positions a couple of times. Uh, he made Jason Tumalala or gave Jason Tumalala great confidence to play longer minutes in that middle third of the field and um, yeah he had success at every level that's that's the thing he had success as an assistant coach with the Roosters uh, as a head coach at the Cowboys and as a Queensland Cup coach with Winner Manly and I think that speaks volumes about his career as a coach. It is uh, very sad circumstances obviously his passing at the age of 49 and it's led to a further conversation that both of you guys will will certainly be part of because you've both experienced this and I have in some ways to my degree with, with, with parts of my career but it, it leads to that question of how do people cope when things that they um, have achieved very highly at have put their entire life's work into all of a sudden come to an end. In Paul's case it's coaching and all of a sudden without a, without a job. In your case Maggie it's being a world champion, Olympic representative, and your career, swimming career comes to an end. Seebs, you've been through the, the mill as well in terms of coaching as well. So how did you guys deal with that next phase of life and that, that part there when th there is a hole? I mean, there's absolutely a hole, whether it's mental, physical, or both. Yeah, oh, look, I think the toughest thing for me was finding an identity after sport. I was known from 11 years old as the swimmer. Um, you know, kids at school, oh, yeah, that's James, he's the swimmer, into life as a professional swimmer. And then you swim that last race, you hang up the goggles and you kind of look at yourself and go, 
you know, who who am I now? What what gives my life purpose? What drives me? What what gets me out of bed in the morning? And that's uh, actually quite a rocky road. And and you have days where you lie in bed and go, what what am I? You know, now what what am I going to do now? And uh, I think the the important thing is is that we we have these conversations with each other about um, you know at times where I was thinking, am I the only one that that feels like I've lost a bit of identity after sport? Do, do other athletes feel that, or is this a unique thing to me? And then you you see things in the media, you, you read articles, and you realise that that everyone struggles with it, and suddenly you go, oh, I'm not alone. That's not a that's not a unique thing. But I think as guys, sometimes we really struggle to verbalize that. And, uh, you know, I've probably never really sat down and had a long conversation with anyone and said, hey, you know, I'm struggling a little bit after mm. swimming or I'm struggling a little bit, um, you know, with, with my identity. And that that's where we've got to be able to take uh, a positive from a really negative situation and say, let's have a conversation with each other about, you know, how we're feeling and rather than internalising it. Do you think that, uh, and, and obviously this is something that's, you know, that the message is being rammed home loud and clear that we do need to talk more as a, as a society, especially men, especially Australian men. I mean, if there's, if there's a category there that's not going to open their mouths and, and be open and honest, it's probably the Aussie male would be front and centre. But do you think there's probably something around the sport in particular, like your sport and swimming, uh, essentially, Maggie, only only former swimmers are really going to know what it's like to stop being a swimmer and go searching for that identity. So in Seebs, with your case, do you think that that fellow footballers, fellow coaches are the ones who are going to help you first and foremost? Is, is there something there that sport might need to do a bit more of? It's really interesting. Within the NRL now, I think um, every club has two to three uh, welfare um, officers and they do a fantastic job. I think the players are, are very well supported now. Um, I think back in the 90s when I played, um, we didn't have that support. You know, you got released. It was just, on. you know, you, you find out what's what's next, whether it's in footy or, or you have to go and work or study or whatever it is. Now there's so much time on either transitioning from being a senior player into what what's next after rugby league or the support that you get in and around your studies, in and around, um, I suppose, your mental health and um, the mental skills you need to perform at the highest level. I think they're catered for as good as it's ever been in rugby league. There is a gap with regards to the coaches. I've got no doubt about that. Mm. Um, there's no formal coaches association. Um, really? There's been... There's been uh, you know, Trent Robinson's it? been a, a great advocate for it. Um, we've tried to get that... Um, uh, coaches Association off the ground a number of times. Mel Meninga was a big advocate for it. Neil Henry actually was funded there for a while from the NRL. And I've got to say, to Neil's credit, when I went through um, what I did at the end there with the Broncos, he reached out to me a number of times just yeah. checking in. And it's really interesting. Um, I think there's a bit of a gap there for coaches because um, normally when, you know, coaches know you're going to get sacked at some stage or moved on. That's the reality of the job, right? So at some stage, as good as you've, you've been or your record's been or whether you've been a good coach, poor coach or any, anywhere in between, at some stage you're going to get moved on. Mm. And, and that's challenging because what happens with the media these days, and we're part of the media here, but what happens is it becomes a story. And it's, well, it's, the, the it's, churn and burn yeah, becomes Yeah, and, and, and it's quite... And, and becomes... Um, individually, you think at the time it's bigger than what it is, right? Yeah. And I know in my case, you know, it was quite interesting just, you know, having media camped out the front of my house for a few days, you know, um, some media trying to jump the fence when I hopped in the car after I'd come out of um, a 14-day... 
um, stay at home, you know, getting followed in the car. It was it was quite, quite surreal when I look back on it. Um, but other coaches um, certainly let you know, lent me a hand. You know, like guys like Trent Robinson. Now, it's, this is the the sad part about it. I went through my text messages the other day to see when the last time I spoke to Granny, and I flicked through some of the messages. Paul Green on on the twentieth of of August reached out to me and said, "Steve, you want to catch up for a coffee? We'll talk anything but footy." Yeah, that says something about Granny. It gets me a little bit emotional talking mm, about yeah. it now. Yeah. But that's the type of person he was. And coaches like Paul McGregor, Shane Flanagan, mm. Craig Bellamy, Ivan Cleary. I think just about every coach in the competition reached out to me. And, you know, there is a great collective there, but sometimes you feel quite isolated because you're the one where the churn and burn is, as you spoke about. Mm. You're the one who's in the in that spotlight or in that firing line. Um, on your way out and it's never really positive about you on the way out is it you know what I mean so it's quite challenging and then I think um, yeah I think you can feel a little bit isolated but I had a lot of support I got to say from other coaches and people like Phil Gould and Aaron Molan uh, which I've spoken about before with um, social media but um, I do think there needs to be some sort of more formal support for, for coaches, not just in the NRL, but also in you know in other sports like yeah. the AFL and so on. Um, I think it's something that we can certainly close the gap. Do, do you think we're starting to get a little bit of a better picture around the impact that what's said and what's written can have on on not just athletes, but anyone in the game? Like you and I were talking, Matty, during the Com Games, Kyle... Chalmers obviously really struggled with some of what was written and mm. said to him on social media. And sometimes people see athletes or coaches as not inhuman, but they're almost like these figures that can't be hurt by, by what's said or what's written. Um, I mean, Greeny copped a pretty harsh run after Origin last year. Some of the rhetoric around his coaching then, I thought as a premiership coach was it's horrible. surprising. It was, it was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw yeah, that yeah. commentary. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As if, like, the guy was new to coaching and didn't know what he was talking about. A premiership winner and grand finalist. Um, I think sometimes, look, w- what's written on social media, you, you can't get away from it and you can never censor 20 million Australians and what they write on social media. But sometimes you can censor what's written in the media, which leads to a lot of that social media hysteria. And I just think sometimes maybe we can have a, a little bit more um, compassion around the athlete or the coach or the person that, that, that's been written about and, and have a think about, you know, the impact that that's going to have. I definitely think, to, to your first point, I definitely think that there's, there is more of that coming back um, from the athletes because the athletes are now having their say. So the yeah. athletes are calling it out essentially saying, you know, uh, I mean, up until very recently, if you were the subject of a bad story or, or a bad headline or whatever, you had to cop it, didn't you, Seabs? I mean, are you, both of you know that. You, yeah, you sort yeah. of cop it and you really have yeah. no recourse. Whereas now, for instance, Kyle Chalmers, etc., throughout everything that was going on and all the headlines, he, he had his own voice to say that and he went back out on social media and said, hang on a second, this isn't cool. And I, I think you're right now because it has become more of a two-way conversation and it probably needs to become yeah. more of a two-way and, and conversation. Look, I, I get it from the journalist's perspective, right? Sometimes you've got to write a hard-hitting story and there's things that sell and there's things that people want to read. But uh, it's it's so often, and, and you know, we, we speak to journalists in our, our jobs every day and so often the journalists will pass it off as well. It's just something that I had to write. You know, the story's there so I had to write it and I, I couldn't go soft on it because it's a, it's a big story and you need a reaction. Sometimes, I think sometimes it would just be nice to go, you know what, 
does that need to be written? Does that do I need to go that extra mile to really put the boot in, or can I just highlight what's going on without giving a a, a, a really scathing uh, assessment of of a person's character? And that's that's where I think uh, we can we can pull the reins back a bit. And it's it's certainly intensified over the years. I mean, I, I remember some of the stuff written about me, and I thought this is like how how sometimes zero truth in the whole article and you go how can people write that but now it's almost like commonplace if there's a if there's an article people and journalists will just absolutely go for it mm. yeah uh, well i think you know one of the one of the positives i guess out of having this discussion is exactly that that the discussions are now being had more and more yeah, and definitely. you know i was listening to nick davis on the way in um out out here and his story was absolutely sensational yeah, i mean was. I, I didn't know incredible. that yeah. No, yeah no it was it was um yeah was fascinating great. and and that's the kind of stuff that society needs to hear it's 23 minutes after midday this is crunch time brought to you by isuzu the isuzu dmax is born to tow you can be part of our show 0457 736 736 on text or give us a call 1300 01 1170. Matt White, James Magnuson and Anthony Seabold at the SCG ahead of the Roosters and the Cowboys. More after this. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Thanks to Isuzu, Matt White, James Magnuson and Anthony Seabold here at the SCG will be here for the full coverage of the Roosters v Cowboys, eighth versus second on the ladder. So the 30, 43rd meeting of these two teams. They first played in 1995. Now here's one for you. The Roosters, it was just next door at the SFS. The Roosters won that 34 points to 16. So 1995 Roosters v Cowboys. Can you name the captains that day? Seebs, this is you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so 95, I'm thinking Brad Fittler or Sean Garlick for the Roosters and Adrian Vowles for the Cowboys. I'm, I'm going to go. Oof, you're a little bit off Am on, I? on both counts. I'll give you a clue. There's an Italian connection between both of the captains. Okay, so Laurie Spina. Yes. <laughs> Italian so, connection for the Roosters. Laurie Spina was the... Oh, Craig Salvatore. There you go. There you go. Laurie yeah. Spina was the captain for yeah. the Cowboys and, of course, the great Craig Salvatore, captain for the Roosters. That, that sounds was... like it could be, almost be a Serie A game. <laughs> Salvatore and Spina and... Well, it sounds like a law firm. Salvatore yeah. and Spina, can <laughs> I help you? Now, the rich list that's being published in the uh, Daily and Sunday telly, so it'll wrap up tomorrow, um, naming the top 100 players, and we'll get to the very end tomorrow in the Sunday telly, where they're going through and... and basically putting salaries straight on the table. I mean, it's it's a bizarre thing. And, and another extension to just how weird rugby league is. I mean, I was told long and long ago when I was doing contracts in the TV world, don't ever tell anyone how much money you get, right? Mm. Just don't do it. Yeah. Because... It's it's a no win either way. It's not it's not great. It's not hundred percent. So here we are getting the top hundred uh, listed on on the paper and they're counting down. How accurate would this be? Well, I, I think from what I from what I was hearing the other day that they that I, I think the three or four journos got around and they and also speaking to player managers etc. So I reckon they're not. Got, yeah, that wouldn't be, be too pretty. far away. I would have thought. Yeah. Yeah. So ballpark. Ballpark within ten percent or so. Say yeah. Any yeah. interesting points that have come out so far for you, Seeps? Yeah, there has been. Um, so doing a bit of investigative work as yeah. I do uh, now that I'm um, working for SEN. I've got a couple of key points here for you, uh, Maddie. Um, so eight players now are on a million dollars or more, and um, and that's a significant rise. You know, probably um, five, six, seven years ago, there's probably two or three players yeah. over a million dollars. Who was so, the first? 
Look, I don't know. I'd only be Inglis? guessing. Um, Inglis to South, so first and at Cowboys around that era. But 2014, Cameron Smith had to be close because yeah. I know he had uh, a massive yep, deal yep. to go to the Broncos at the time. I was working for the Storm at the time. Now, I don't know how much he got, but, you know, that was a really big decision in his sort of, um, you know, back end of his career. So that could so, have changed history. Yeah, so, um, you know, maybe Smithy. Maybe yep, Smithy maybe. back in 2014. Yep. But it's interesting that, you know, there's, there's eight now and a million dollars or more. Seven yeah. right here at the Roosters at the SCG. <laughs> <laughs> well, David Campisi was rugby's first millionaire when the yeah. game was still amateur. So yeah, that was, really, yeah. would we would we on average the the NRL players make more than a rugby Australia contract plus your super? What are they up to now? Super fourteen, super fifteen contract. Remember when like Dell and Lottie and Matt Rogers and stuff were going across? Yeah. It was because it was bigger money. Well, they, were, they were rolling out the big money to get them across. Yeah, I, I, look, my understanding is not, and that's why you see a lot okay. of Australian qualified players go and play in, in Europe, uh, particularly yeah. in France or Japan, because yeah. that is where um, there's comparable sort of um, you know salaries to what the players now yeah. are now getting in the NRL. Mm. Like Semi Radradra, for instance, plays for Bristol. Um, Semi, the, the ex-Parramatta winner, yeah. was an outstanding player, plays for a team called Bristol, and he's a marquee player for them. And my understanding is he's on somewhere around about that eight hundred thousand pound, which is significant. Oh, that's good money. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's way more than what the NRL could pay Semi yeah. Radradra. Certainly more than what the IOU could pay um, Semi Radradra. But yeah. Um, yeah, mostly they earn the big salaries, mate, when they go across to Europe or in, uh, to Japan. On the Sorry, text I hijacked your... Uh, yeah, no, well, no, we'll get back to those in just a sec, but on the text line 0457 736 7361, why are athletes or coaches disclosing personal information to the media? And secondly, unfortunately, being in the public spotlight, earning 10 times what a normal punter earns, opens you up to criticism, rightly or wrongly, because essentially you are in the entertainment business. Well, uh, just the first part of that, from what I understand, the, the coaches and, and players didn't open up the personal information. Yeah, this and, is, and they don't want to. No, why, that's why would right. they want to? No, no. This, this is a bit of a dig. But you're kind of right about the second point. I mean, you know, you, you're out there every day in the entertainment business. You're in the public sphere and people are buying tickets to see you. They think that they've got some right towards... I mean, it's it's great fodder, isn't it? It's interesting it, to go It is. Through. And, and look... It, that's why, you know, the NRL players are so blessed to earn what they do to play a sport that they love, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I know that there's a lot of gratitude within the NRL. Um, but, you know, my understanding, this is something for, you know, that News Limited has done. Um, they are guesstimates. You know, they're not um, accurate from from what we understand. But they wouldn't be too far away because of the relationships with the player managers yeah. and the GMs of football and so on. But a couple of other interesting points, guys. Uh, to crack the top 100 this year, players had to be on $500,000 or more. So there's 100 players in the NRL earning that, that amount. There's 100 on CEO money. So that's that's start. that's significant. Yep. Uh, Dragons and Roosters with nine players each um, are the most represented clubs yep. in the Rich 100, followed by the Eels in third place and the Panthers in fourth place. Back rowers, um, which, which surprised me, back rowers have 29 players uh, in the top 100. So back rowers have 29, front rowers uh, 26, uh, make up more than half of the list. Well, halfbacks have 10 and 5.8s have 9. Wow. So I thought that was quite surprising. And the oldest in the, the top 100 is Cody Walker, who's a real favourite of mine. Um, he's 32. And at the Bunnies, obviously, and the youngest is Stephen Crichton at 21. So wingers. Where do, where do wingers sit? <laughs> Not I, high. Yeah, not high. Well, that's why Sammy Rattler... Wait, are you surprised by that, Manny? <laughs> well, I am, considering they're the ones scoring all the points at the nah, That'd be like if they released the pay for swimmers and there'd be no breaststrokers in the lifts. <laughs> yeah. 
look, wingers, look, you can you can win a competition um, with having work like, like wingers or, or wingers who just do their job. Yeah. And, and that's why I think uh, sometimes clubs like uh, can't keep like a Josh Adokar, like Melbourne can't keep Josh yeah. Adokar because to the Bulldogs, they needed a high-profile type player, didn't they? Mm. But the Storm, they get a, a George Jennings, who I know is injured now, but they get someone like that who's workman, like does their job and can, and can continue to sort of, I suppose, finish the opportunities presented to him. Just off the back of our chat uh, regarding Paul Green, and um, obviously there will be a minute silence today here at the SCG. Martin says, uh, Matt, James, Anthony, what a fantastic discussion you're having. I'm listening intently while walking my dog. Um, couldn't believe quite a few years ago the survey of the most overrated player in rugby league the player who was chosen still talks about it I just thought it was completely off so going to the you know the, the, the hard part of the, the bad headlines that you get throughout your career and how that can have an impact Jay says afternoon crunch timers it's important to find ways to reduce undue pressure on coaches players and match officials I saw a video of Ben Cummins describing his mental health struggles after the six again call in the 2019 GF if we learn nothing else from Greeny's passing, it truly is that rugby league is just a game. Thank you for that, Jace. 0457 736 736. And that discussion we were having around the support mechanisms, especially for coaches in the NRL, takes me back to when Nathan Brown um, and his tenure ended there at the Warriors. And he came out and said, I want to I help coaches essentially stay in a job. And I, I, as, as more and more came out about Paul Green's passing, I kept going back to those comments thinking... Brownie could identify something there both on a on a professional level where they need essentially to try and stay in a job, not be part of that churn and burn story. But perhaps now there's something broader around that. Oh, there certainly is. I think AFL have got ahead of the game there. Um, in the AFL, the, the coaches who I still keep in contact with have somebody who's on staff there, almost like, for want of a better word, a coaching mentor. And I know with England rugby, we have a guy called Neil Craig. Now, Neil, for, for those NRL supporters, he was with the Adelaide Crows as the head coach for seven seasons. Before that, he was with um, Charlie Watts, who was an Olympic uh, cycling yep. coach uh, on the Olympic team. Fantastic um, career, both in Olympic sports as an AFL head coach. And he's beside Eddie as um, essentially that critical friend or a coaching mentor for not only Eddie, but also us assistant coach with England Rugby. To, to be someone who you can lean on when, when there's you know, like some tough challenges coming up or you've been sort of hammered in the media, you're just someone to sort of, I suppose, um, yeah, disclose information to, talk privately to, mm. but, you know, almost like a sounding board. So... I think, uh, you know, what Nathan Brown spoke about, that's the type of role. You know, when I said before mm. about more support for coaches, I yep. think that's the type of role that's critical and crucial. And I think the smarter clubs will get to, um, you know, will get to that quicker than, uh, than later. 0457 736 736 is our text line. Crunch time is brought to you by Isuzu. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. We're back after this at the SCG. Welcome back. We are at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Matt White with you alongside James Magnuson and Anthony Seabold. This afternoon's match between the Roosters and the Cowboys. It will be an emotional one. Keep your thoughts coming through. 0457 736 736. Gents, let's talk about the game so far. So we've, oh, had, two we have to? yeah, we've had two shutouts and one blowout. So we'll get to yours a little bit later. But why don't we get to the shutouts first? The Storm v Panthers on Thursday night, 16 points to nil. It's interesting watching teams at the back end of a season when suspensions and injuries start to take their toll, and certainly that's the case with Penrith. Yeah, it certainly is. They've had a pretty good run over the last two and a half years, so it's pro probably finally catching up to them a little bit. I thought on um, Thursday evening out at Penrith, the, the Storm 
defensively, particularly inside their own 20 metres, are outstanding. So um, at one stage there, I saw the Panthers had 60% possession. And normally when they have that much possession against a team, they're scoring 20, 30 yeah. points. So just I just thought the effort from the Storm to keep uh, the Panthers scorers with how much possession but also how much field position they had inside the, the 20 metre zone which is obviously you know, defending your troll line. I thought it was outstanding from the storm um, and, and you know to, to Penrith's credit particularly after half time they kept trying hard you know it was a little bit like a few weeks ago against Parramatta they, they were behind by a whole heap at half time um, after Nathan Cleary sending off but they kept fighting so I've got to give them credit they kept fighting a um, little bit clunky but I just you've got to give credit to the storm they were a bit wobbly over the last month or so, the Storm. So Craig Bellamy's obviously found um, the way to right the ship, so to speak. What, what would you do? Ish. Where, ish. ish. What I'm would you convinced. do, Seebs, with Cam Munster, position-wise? Well, when Jerome Hughes comes back, um, well, they, they did it regardless on the weekend, I'd keep him at fullback. Um, because he can play on both sides of the field. So he's a threat on both sides of the field. When he plays as a, as a 5'8", he's locked into that um, left-hand side of the field, the way that the Melbourne Storm attack. So it means, you know, he's... he's you know, he's fantastic down short sides. He's great, um, you know, two or three passes wide on the left-hand side. But as we've seen the last two weeks, he goes on both sides of the field. He gets the dummy half out of yardage, makes, you know, makes metres out of dummy half to build a set for the storm. Um, he's showing go over the last few weeks out the back of shape. Or, you know, what we talk about from a coaching perspective is he's almost like one hole wider. So instead of going up against you know three or four defenders, he's going up against two defenders. So he's one hole wider, which gives him a little bit more time and space to work in. And uh, I just thought, you know, he was outstanding. And he has been the last two weeks for the Storm. So you're still not, you're not sold on the not Storm, Not completely mate. sold. No, no, I think Penrith were well and truly underdone. Uh, I think the most exciting thing for the competition is this, the, what has been the top four sides for most of the year are kind of limping into the finals. And that bottom half of the top eight are absolutely flying. You look at um, Souths and Roosters and Sharks, they're coming into that final series red hot. Uh, the Panthers, the Storm, the, the Eels, um, the Broncos who were a top four side at times are kind of limping into that final series. So it's kind of been turned on its head a bit. And I think, I, I really think we could get a side win the comp from the bottom half of that Which would be a first, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is the year, if yeah. ever. So the Storm have the Broncos, the Roosters and the Eels and the Panthers have the Bunnies, the Warriors and then the Cowboys to finish off. So that was Melbourne, 16-0 over the Panthers. Then over at Mount Smart Stadium, the Warriors turned it on, 42 points to 18. Now, regardless of the Warriors standing in the comp at the moment, I just, I just don't want to be the team that has to go there um, over to Mount Smart Stadium, you know, at the at the moment, so to speak. They've only played two there, and they're always going to turn it on. Well, your team mainly finished there. I know. So I know. They're, they're, <laughs> they're the only other team has to do it. That's right. Yeah, you'll get yours. <laughs> that was just, uh, I, I don't know who decided that masterstroke of playing North Queensland in Bundaberg straight into Warriors in New Zealand. But I just watched that first set last night, and... Bulldogs' first up contact contact wasn't there. I think the Warriors rolled through 60 metres with the ball first set. He's kind of got that feeling this could be a long night at the office. They should. I mean, in terms of travel, I, I spoke to Max King on my program and I'm pretty sure it was Tuesday I spoke to him and we played it on Wednesday, but they just got in that morning. Yeah. So they, they went from Bundaberg back to Brisbane over to New Zealand. I, you know, it's not the world's longest trip, but it's enough. And they didn't get in until 3 a.m., but that was 3 a.m., you know, Tuesday morning, mm. and the game's not till Friday. So they probably should have had enough time it's to, not, yeah, to adjust. It's, it's, it's not 
the worst prep, but it's also not the best, not the best. prep. And sometimes it just takes being off a little bit. Uh, I reckon the only one that benefited from that uh, Bulldogs game in Bundaberg was uh, Big Willie. I saw him all over socials at the Bundaberg <laughs> Rum Factory during the week. He was with Terry Lamb. Uh, mate, he was on an absolute junket up there, Big Willie. What about the Rabbitohs last night over the Eels? So the other shutout, 26 points to nil. Mitch Moses might have to play with a with a semi-broken finger. He might have to come on back. Yeah, well, it was a real statement from the Rabbitohs. I thought, you know, last week the Warriors were really poor and, you know, up at the Sunshine Coast and... and I suppose the Rabbitohs did it easy, 48 points to 10. And I still sort of probably had some question marks about their defence, but I just thought last night they were outstanding on both sides of the ball. Cameron Murray, particularly the last few weeks, he's been sort of the, the, uh, the I suppose, the fulcrum of their attack. Like, he's he's receiving the ball first up, and he's really digging into the line. And what it does, for the listeners at home, it means that Cody Walker can stay on the left-hand side. It means Cameron Murray is the ball player on the right-hand side. And last night we saw Dean Hawkins out the back of shape and then Latrell out a little bit further. So essentially you've got three ball players on one side, one on the short side, so they can take any option. And um, it's just opened up a whole heap more threats for, um, you know, for, for the Rabbitohs. And that's, you know, that's not taking away from, you know, Damien Cook's threat out of dummy half. But mm. I just like the variation in, in Cameron Murray's game at the moment. Jason Demetra has done a good job um, opening up the Rabbitohs. And they're in good form. They're in the, great form. Latrell Mitchell starts for all... All the people out there. And there's a lot of Latrell haters, so put this in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> Latrell, 14 runs, 211 run meters, God. nine tackle breaks, three line breaks, two line break assists, and two offloads. Like, he's he's getting in that Hain 0-9 form. He's getting there. He is. Yes. He is. And we spoke about the top 100 rich list and who's on over a million dollars. You'd have to assume that Latrell Mitchell's somewhere there. Like, thinking back to last year's, um, I suppose, um, increase in form, mainly um, were the same when Tommy Trebojevic came back. You know, yeah. Just how different a team Souths are when Latrell plays and Manly are when Tom Trebojevic plays versus when they're not there. Mm. It, like You can see it this year clearly. Since Latrell Mitchell's been back, the only game they've lost was in Golden Point and they had opportunities to win it, but they lost in Golden Point to a Nico Hines field goal. That's right. A top, yep. You know, yep. a top four team. So, um, look, they've, you know, they found a rich vein of form and, as I said, they've got so much in attack. Every time they went down inside the 20-metre zone of the Parramatta Eels, they look like scoring and they almost did do you I, think they can win it i think they can win it i, I do think they can win it because yeah because yeah, latrell mitchell if he can keep fit and healthy and cameron murray can keep fit and healthy if those two guys um are there for for the bunnies they can beat any team on their day so we've seen four teams in the top eight in action already so far in round 22 we'll get another two teams out here today at the scg the roosters v cowboys so that's position eight the second on the ladder. This is crunch time. You can be part of it anytime. 0457 736 736. Don't forget our full live call of the Roosters and Cowboys will be coming your way on the SEN network this afternoon. Uh, look, all I can say is uh, it was a memorable <laughs> chapter of my sporting career and one that, you know, looking back on now, uh, quite comical. But at the time, certainly not fun. Um, I, I, I saw the life side of it. But yeah, kitty, I was having kittens, literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, for those, for those like who it missed it last week, so basically there were there were nine athletes who uh, went to Seabs in the Rio games where Maggie was, went to watch a basketball game with a sticker on their accreditation that kind of shouldn't have been there really, and the uh, authorities, Simon, didn't take kindly to it, did they? 
No, not at all. I think the, the interesting part is nine of us got caught, but there would have been about 120, I reckon, that got into the game. <laughs> yeah. And I still remember to this day, uh, we were upstairs in, in lock-up. Not in, we weren't in prison at this stage. We were in basketball lock-up. And I remember uh, everyone sending a text to our teammates from differing sports because there was some archers, some, some rowers, some, um, there was a rugby sevens guy. We all sent texts to our teammates and said, get rid of the stickers. And our, uh, guys said they were swallowing the stickers because they didn't want to get caught as well. <laughs> Flush them down the toilet, Donald Trump style. Now, quickly, let's talk some uh, Greyhound racing. Goulburn Track um, is going to get an upgrade as well. So that's great news. That was announced yesterday. And the Million Dollar Chase Heats got underway last night. Yeah, you're right. Just quickly, the Goulburn uh, upgrade is huge for our sport. Basically, a new straight track in Goulburn. We're going to get a new circle track down there as well uh, and some lights. So there'll be night racing, a big safety improvements for both those tracks, and that's what the industry's all about, making it safe for our participants. So wonderful news down in Goulburn, $6 bucks down there. And you're right, the Million Dollar Chase just keeps on rolling on. We had one earlier in the year. She's the Pearl took that out in about April, I think that was. But here we are for 2.0 of the Million Dollar Chase. And there's a couple of heats at the Gardens in Newcastle tonight, fellas. Uh, there were some heats at Gosford, Bulleye, Tamora during the week. And there's still another 14 or 15 venues to host their regional heats and finals over the next month before we all descend on Wenty Park for another Million Dollar Race. So, yeah, as I said, two heats of the Million Dollar Chase at the Gardens tonight. And it's just a fantastic concept that just keeps on giving. So, yeah, wonderful stuff for the sport. We're just going from strength to strength. Awesome. Uh, are your tip for Wentworth Park tonight? What's your best tip for Wenty Park tonight? Yeah, look, Wenty Park tonight, uh, tricky card. We're going to go race four, number eight, Zipping Novak. This dog won the Magic Maiden Series at Wenty earlier in the year. His best time, it's probably four or five lengths quicker than most of the dogs in the field, boys. He's in box eight. That's not terrible for him. He tends to get back. So he just needs a little bit of luck on that first bend. I think it would be very hard to beat. And I've, I've been giving some stats to the boys throughout the year, Matty. Uh, yeah. and we've been talking about boxes and where the best box is to bet on. Just got this little gem. Box six. It's been 68 starts at Wenty Park since box six had a winner. So if you're having a bet Ooh. tonight... Box six is either due or it's never, ever going to win again. So there you go. <laughs> nah, steer clear. Since box six won. So steer clear, I reckon. I agree with yeah. the missile. Uh, have a bet at Wenty. Race four, number eight, zipping Novak, the best of the night. All right. I'm going to go against you. I reckon it's time. Uh, I reckon it's, something's <laughs> got to give. Good you on you, it. Simon. Thanks, mate. Enjoy the day. Have a great day. Michael Schofield signing out. <laughs> thedogs.com.au the home of everything greyhound racing in New South Wales don't forget the Sydney Roosters versus North Queensland Cowboys coming your way right here on SEN Tim Manor will join myself and Siebes from 5.30 the Queensland Cup Northern Pride versus the Tweed Seagulls Drury Forbes and Ryan Hanson with that call we're back after this this is crunch time coming to you from the Sydney Cricket Ground today where the Roosters will play the Cowboys a bit later on this afternoon. Full call right here on the SEN Network. Crunch time is brought to you by Isuzu. The Isuzu MUX is born to tow. Join us. 1300 01 1170 is our open line or you can send in a text 0457 736 736. Matt White, James Magnuson and Anthony Seabold with you. We've touched on the rich list already so we'll get the top uh, 50 in terms of 
of who's being paid the most. Uh, and one of those names right at the top of the list will be James Tedesco, no question about it. He plays his 200th NRL game today. A man who's in the middle of all the action, touches the ball some... I worked it out, it's an average of 31 times per match that he's got Ooh. his hands on the ball at times. He um, must be so fit. Which is just incredible. Um, so let's dig a bit deeper into what we're going to expect today between the Roosters and Cowboys. It will be, Siebes, as we've spoken about, a very emotional match for both of these clubs. Paul Green, um, such a dominant figure in both of the clubs throughout his playing and coaching career as well. So there's there's a lot of emotion floating around this grand old stadium today. But when it comes down to it, the Roosters have a job to do, and that is to try and stay inside the top eight. Yeah, it's certainly been in great form the last three weeks. The biggest area they've improved is their attack. Since Luke Curie's come back, it's sort of allowed Sam Walker probably to play his natural game, which is a running game. He's got a good short kicking game. Uh, one of the things to look out for today is Victor Radley, what he does. We spoke about Cameron Murray and how he's added variation to his game, but also South Sydney's attack. Um, Roosters use Victor Radley in a very similar way. He's a ball player, particularly as they're coming up the field, and often Tedesco will live on uh, his inside, um, and is an inside ball option. So look to Victor Radley today to, to play some footy. I think the crossfield kicks to Sawali and also Daniel Tupu on uh, the left-hand side and right-hand side. Both wingers are a kick option. So those crossfield kicks trying to isolate Murray Tuolangi, um, to um, Tabuai Fado as well for the Cowboys. They're not huge guys, so I think expect some kicks there. And then Tedesco. We spoke about him in his 200th game. He's a weapon um, on both sides of the ball because he does such a great job defensively for the, the Roosters. But he's a threat, so expect him at the back of shape as the Roosters get in the good Ball, what uh, about be a weapon. Joseph Sawali in particular? 19 years of age. So Talking he's in rich list. Yeah, <laughs> here we come. 15 games he's played this season, 13 tries and two try assists along the way. I mean, it's scary to think what what he can be, is and what he already is at 19. The physicality um, is what stands out for for um, Joseph Sawali. I think the way he carries the ball out of the backfield. I mean, Selwyn Cobo is probably the only other young winger I can see who plays with a similar physicality. Normally you find as they sort of get to 21, 22, those types of young players is when they um, you know, become really physical in how they carry the ball and so on because he's such a naturally uh, talented player, Joseph Sawali. But yeah, love what he's doing. Um, he's really progressed this season. It's been a breakout year. He was in with the, the uh, New South Wales Blues side during mm. the year. So he's a real option for Mel Meninga and the Australian side in the, uh, the World Cup at the end of the year. And attention to detail um, is, by all reports I heard Cam Smith and Denon talking about this, attention to detail for a young kid is something that you would love as a coach. I mean, he's meticulous with his preparation. He's always there on time, etc., etc. He's one of those blokes that likes to put in the hard work before the game starts. Yeah, I think he's brought some really good habits and routines. He went to King's College. He boarded there. And his last year of school, my understanding is he combined school and his HSC with being a full-time professional rugby league player here at the Roosters. So you need to be organised. You need to manage your mm -hmm. time. So talk about attention to detail. That would have been something at the top of his list. So um, yeah, he's a real credit to um, how the Roosters have brought him on. Um, he did play for South Sydney and the Juniors, um, you know, through their um, Harold Matthews teams and SG Bull sides, and obviously there was a, um, you know, it was a big coup for the Roosters to bring him across from the Bunnies. How old were you, Miss I, when you started to represent it at a, at a very, very high level? Uh, for Australia, 18. 
18. Yeah, so a similar age, I guess. Um, but swimming is one of those sports where you kind of got to make it young or it passes you by pretty quickly. Did it feel like to you that you were an immature 18-year-old, that you were a young kid in, in a man's sport, or, or did it just feel normal for you that this is the trajectory that I'm on? No, I felt my, my first year I felt very out of place on the Australian swim team. Main reason being people that you'd looked up to or idolised were suddenly your, your teammates, and that's a, a strange feeling and something that's hard to get used to. Um, but I think what we're seeing from Suwali is he kind of did his apprenticeship last year, played a couple of games, and seems like he feels completely at home now in the NRL. Um, the, the big question for the Roosters, and when we talk Rich List, is how do you fit Suwali, Tedesco, and Manu? What could potentially be over the next 18 months three of the top five fullbacks in the NRL into one side? Mm. And they're getting Brandon Smith as well. Yeah, season, yeah so. Brandon Smith comes in to replace Sam Verrills in the number nine jersey. So, yeah, look, it, it's going to be difficult because uh, Joseph Marner's best position is probably fullback. <laughs> and he showed that when James Tedesco's out. But James Tedesco is, is you know, the, the, the top-ranked number one in the game. So um, how they manage those players will be interesting to see. But they're super talented and, and they're on show against a really, I suppose, uh, informed Cowboys team today. Cowboys are currently uh, assembling pretty loosely out there on the... Uh, what is the cricket pitch uh, rock hard part of the ground seats, isn't it? Actually, you were it's here. Rock hard. Yeah, you were here with the English rugby. Yeah, yeah, we're, we were out there for warm up, and I just saw Tommy Deaton practicing a couple of shots actually, uh, because um, he's looking into the grandstand there, that, where the bowler comes from. The English boys did the same. They had some, we had some mad like cricket, cricket fans. fans in our team, mm. and our hooker Jamie George is standing up as if he's facing the first ball from yeah. like a Pat Cummins or something. So, so that grass in the middle is literally a different. Uh, it's different. to the naked eye, a different. Yeah. What, what would he? What would you different call it? hue, different hue. It's actually yes. raised a little bit. Like when you're down at ground oh, really? level, yeah, it's it's marginally raised mm -hmm. and it, and it's quite hard. And on well, we played over nights. Well, the boys played over nights on when we were here a few weeks ago, and it was very very slippery underfoot. Uh, uh. Yeah, so look, it you know should be a little bit um, less slippery today because it's a daytime game and it's a, you know fantastic weather here in Sydney. So um, it'll be hard. It's a different service. It'll be a little bit unusual, but again, that's the Roosters' home home ground advantage. You'd be blown away, missile, when you go out there and I've, I've been out there. I was out there checking uh, out the pitch before the Australia-India test. We had Brad Haddon working with us, so Hads and I went out and having a yep. chat to the uh, to the ground stick stuff. Key in it? Out there. No, no, no. <laughs> I, mate, if there's one person that you don't want to upset around a cricket match, is the is the ground staff and curator. the curator. Oh, right. don't do, no. uh, we were at the Oval in 2005 um, when, when Australia ended up losing that series, and we were there working away, and somebody left a bag, like a um, one of the cameramen left his bag on the side of the thing there on the side of the ground and the curator was going around on his little tractor and mowing at the outside and he was going to go straight over it. He just, <laughs> mate, he would have gone straight over it because he had the poops that we were on his turf. But it would blow you away just how much of the fall away that Siebes is talking about is out here yeah, at the ground. There, okay. is, there is, like it is, if you're down on the on the boundary and you're looking across to the middle of the pitch, there's a, a distinct rise. It's probably yeah. two or three feet by the time you actually oh, wow. work it out. Yeah, so the, the middle of the pitch has got a big camber yeah, on it. Imagine race. the middle of your road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not, it's not as flat as you'd normally um, have at a footy ground. There's certainly a bit of an angle from, from centre and then falls away. This is the first time the North Queensland Cowboys have played at the SCG. They've played next door, but they've never played a game at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Of course, the Roosters have played here some 300 times or something or other. So it's, it's an interesting one to see how they'll get a grip on not just the surface out there, but the fact that we're playing a rectangular game at an oval stadium. That's what it's going to pick up on, Matt.
Matty, and that is quite deceiving. So a few years ago, uh, when I was with the Bunnies, we played the Dragons here one time, and the players, like Adam Reynolds was saying after the game, just how hard or deceptively hard it was because on one edge there is some signage, so yeah. you can sort of see the sideline there. On this closest edge to where we are, where the replacements will sit, there's no signage to, um, I suppose, show you where the sideline is. And because it's, uh, is. because it's the oval shape, um, it's quite deceptive, particularly when you're running left to right, um, if you're running left to right, kicking to your right-hand side. Who are we talking about throughout the Commonwealth Games, Missile, about the backstroker? Backstrokers. Because the, yeah, the backstrokers yeah. who need to be aligned perfectly, and I'm a very linear person, so I can, I could absolutely go along with this, but need to be aligned perfectly with the straight line. Where, well, where was something, it? yeah. So we, 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 did a, uh, we did a training camp uh, on the Gold Coast at Bond University before we went across to the Olympics in 2012. And uh, the backstrokers kept running into the lane ropes really hard at full speed and they're like it cuts them up when they go full speed in the lane rope it's like what are you doing like well, seriously you do backstroke for a living surely you can do it straight and they said see that building over the side there uh, on the university campus it runs on an angle so we can see that building in our peripheral and oh, suddenly right. we line up with it yeah. and go bam straight into the lane rope so it's quite quite deceptive <laughs> outdoors outdoor pools yeah terrible for backstrokers correct which you would have loved as a freestyler yeah if only it was a breaststroker then you would have even laughed even harder <laughs> they're the most picked on swimmers in a swim team I've the heard breaststrokers it's yeah, terrible good. Uh, good. love the show lad says our texter here what's the song in the Isuzu ad it's a banger always hear it at stadiums for teams running out but never found out what it's called do you know oh no we'll okay. find out in the break for well, you. I know what it is so guitar riff Led Zeppelin Cashmere and it's also in Puff Daddy Come With Me Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. You'd know that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used to play it um, when uh, the State of Origin would be on, when the teams are walking out of Origin. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know uh, the song. 0457736736. We're just talking there about Joseph Sawali, obviously going to be a key player today. On the flip side to that, youth and inexperience, but certainly somebody who's made his mark, Chad Townsend, 31 years of age, more than 200 games, got to be one of the buys of the season. And the way that he has turned these Cowboys around taken ownership of the team as captain, obviously, Jason Taumalolo is part of that leadership group, but his performance has been just extraordinary this season. It's almost been a um, career-best season for Chad yeah. Townsend because, you know, he's, he's grabbed this team and essentially he's the organiser of the team and it's allowed Tom Dearden to play his best football. Like, Chad Townsend's the number one kicker. Um, he's the guy who gets him around the park and, like I said, what that does to... It takes pressure off Tom. He can stay on the left-hand side of the field, look at short sides, be that second kicking option when the Cowboys require it. Um, but just the way he's organised the team, you, I've heard Todd, uh, Todd Payton talk during the week about the influence that Chad Towns has had, almost like being a coach on the field. And that's um, you know, that's what you want as a, as, a, as a head coach. You want your halfback, your number seven, almost like what Adam Reynolds is doing at the moment for the Broncos. You want them to be an extension of the coaching staff on the field. And it looks like he's done that. He's had, a, a, as I said, in my opinion, a career best season. Chad's spoken about... Um the preseason that they had up there and just how damn tough it was running up and down the hills and Todd Payton made a very clear statement there that this is the team that we're going to be. From your experience, can they go, can, can those kind of mission statements, you know, preseason wise, can they go 
pear-shaped at times. I mean, if you flog the bejesus out of your players in a pre-season to make them tough, can it sometimes have a, a burnout effect? Well, it doesn't always work. I've got to say, uh, when I was coaching Brisbane in 2020 season, I, I thought the facility we had was too flash, right? So it was like $25 million facility. And I just thought, we need to get back to working hard. So I took him the whole pre-season back across the road to the old facility and they had to earn their way back to um, using the, 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 good the really flash facility and using their lockers with their names on it and all that sort of stuff. So we went, went across there and and, mm. and we did. We had a, a, a really tough challenge in pre-season. We actually jumped out of the blocks really well. Uh, we won our first two games, but then COVID hit and, and we didn't handle that chaos well. The reason for my story is this. The, I heard Todd Payton during the week talk about chaos. So in the past, they, he said they went through what their training session looked like. Now, I don't know whether you've done this with your swimming career, Maggie, but at times he said they, they said, this is what we're doing in the training session, right? So the players knew what was happening and he felt as though they were saving themselves, you know, so, you know different drills or different segments of training. So he spoke about chaos and, and some teams handle chaos better than others. And I look back to that preseason with the Broncos, we couldn't handle the chaos when COVID happened because we were so structured, we were so regimented, I think, looking back on it. Whereas the Cowboys, he said, you have to be at this field at this time, didn't tell them what they were doing. And, you know, he said, okay, we're running two, uh, you know, we're running two, um, up and down the, the castle here twice. Yeah. No, we're not. We're going a third time. You know, so handling that chaos, and I think that's the improvement you can see because they're so much more resilient defensively. Um, you know, they're down to only conceding, I think, um, 14 points per game. Last year, they conceded the most points, over yeah. 700 points. So I just like the way they've added chaos to it. Um, it's been a tough preseason. There's been, um, you know, reason behind why they've gone down that route, and it's certainly showing. Because you can unsettle people, can't you? Some, some people are creatures of habit, and they want to know what's going on so you can unsettle but football is a tough by name tough by nature and and it's how they deal with that chaos did, did you ever get curveballs thrown at you in training or were you just yeah, up, and, no, up and down mate up and down we did a couple of times i mean um sprinters are the princesses of the swimming world we don't we don't handle adversity that well we, uh, they, they they roll us out to swim fast and then you know put the, the Ferrari back in the garage but um, we, we've done a little bit of stuff like that it was actually the, when I did the, the SAS yeah. uh, TV show the thing I found the hardest was whenever you'd start a new task or whenever you'd set out on a, a mission for lack of a better word they'd never give you an end point so they'd say you know they'd wake you up in the middle of the night you'd put your weighted pack on and they'd say start walking and, and, and then at some point they'd say start running and then but there was never we're going to do this for three hours we're going to do this for 10 kilometers there was never an end point mm. and as a as a swimmer who everything was measured everything I ever did I knew exactly how long it was going to take I knew exactly the exertion I needed to give and I knew when to empty the tank because I knew uh, I, I knew what it, you know how I had to space out, out my energy and then they do this and I'll, it was would mess with my head because we'd be two hours into a pack march and I'd be going is this another hour to go another 10 kilometers to go do yeah. I empty the tank now do, do I start yeah 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 I, I really struggled with it and I think it was something that as an athlete I realized well, I am one of those creatures of habit that always knew exactly where when and what I was doing yeah, it's an incredible way. Uh, just off our texter who wanted to know about, about that song in the Isuzu ad, I think we've we've got it, so we can have a little tune on in. There you go. Oh, that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember Origin? Yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah. Yeah, fireworks going, out you come. Yeah. There you go. It almost gives me a bit of PTSD because this is like through the Queensland 8 in a row era. It's, like, it's, almost, it's almost like an ominous yeah. sound for 10 me. out of 11 it was. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. why Seems can remember yeah. it so yeah. well. All right, we need to take a break. This is Saturday Crunch Time coming to you from the SCG. Thanks to iSusan. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt White, James Magnuson, and Anthony Seabold with you ahead of this afternoon's game between the Roosters and the Cowboys. Obviously, very emotional here today with the passing of Paul Green throughout the week, a prominent figure at both of these clubs. There will be a minute silence before this match and before every match, of course, in round 22. And uh, all players will be wearing black armbands here today. So it will be a very emotional afternoon. Tim Manor is going to join us for the call. But Crunch time continues. 0457 736 736 as the ground uh, continues to be prepared for this afternoon's clash. It's looking a treat here at the SCG. Be interesting to see what type of crowd they get too with the Cowboys obviously from out of town. But the form that they've been in, um, I think they've got some new supporters this year that they probably realise they yeah. didn't have. Uh, just on the text line, a question about the GPS slash CAS schooling system. Is, is that the best pathway for the NRL, says our listener? Sawali, Crichton, Murray, uh, Milne, JWH, etc. No, not, not necessarily. Th- those guys um, have all come through the GPS system. And there's others like Adam Dewey and Lachlan Elias who have come through the CAS system. But it's, no, it's not necessarily the, the best pathway. I think um, the best pathway has proven to be uh, multi-sport um, opportunities. The, the, what we see in the NRL, what we see in the AFL is those those um, athletes or those um, young people who have been exposed to multiple sports um, rather than just focus on one sport um, because unlike swimming uh, rugby league and rugby union and AFL are, are late specialisation sports because of the physicality and um, you know, the collision nature of the game so I would encourage um, you know, both young boys and girls who want to play in the NRL to play as many sports as possible and um, and then there's a m- number of pathways um, school football is, is one um, you know getting um, an opportunity to play in, in your junior leagues and so on is another and then teams will, will have a look but I the, the, all those players that you mentioned there have been multi-sport athletes and it's it's a common trend across our game and then what age do you reckon is the is the tipping point or the turning point generally speaking what we see is when they're around 17. So, which is when they're, you know, essentially in grade, in around grade 12 is, is what we've seen where they, you know, then need to make a choice. And look at Tom Trebojevic. Oh, Tommy Trebojevic um, played cricket, but also he was in a, a Swans Academy, mm. uh, AFL. Really? Yeah, he was in a Swans Academy. So, imagine him taking some marks here tomorrow. Yeah, he would have been gone. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, but that, that's what I would uh, suggest. If you weren't a footy player, what, what could you have been? You reckon? Well, I, I, sport I, I loved cricket. I played in the um, Queensland cricket sides as a junior all the way through until um, an emerging shield squad. And essentially, um, I went to Brisbane and joined the Broncos as a young guy, um, turning 18. And, um, and that's when I sort of gave cricket um, away. But Batsman I, or bowler? So I was a bowler, yeah. But I was fortunate to play in um, Andrew Simon's team. We played yeah. all the way through in, in our Queensland teams. Um, other guys like Martin Love and Jimmy Marr um, around yeah, that right. era as well. So, um, yeah, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. There was a great story. I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Marr. Remember when Queensland won their first Sheffield Shield? Um, years and years ago, this was. And they won it. They hadn't won. And then they eventually, they eventually claimed the title. I was up there working at the time. And it was... 
I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Ma who went in. They they were out for a good couple of days. City rowers. City rowers, yeah. exactly. They were out for a good couple of days in their whites, yeah. and they stayed in them. Who was the boss at the time of Queensland cricket? Barry. Oh, who, who, Barry Richards. Was Barry it? Richards, yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure it was Jimmy Maher. Hey, Jimmy, if you're listening, throw a line out there if it wasn't you. But I'm, pretty, a legend, sure, I'm pretty sure that he went into the uh, the boss's office and sat there and waited for him to come in. This is a couple of days later, and eventually he came in, and there's Jimmy Maher with his feet up on his desk, in his, yeah. still in his whites. I remember them all being out at City Rowers yeah. in their whites, yeah, in their cricket gear after 100%. they won. Yeah, it was a great celebration. Does, was... that, does, uh, does that carry much clout with the ladies at a, at a night whites. spot, cricket whites? Used well, to I... back then. Used to? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> after you've won the Sheffield Shield for the first time in yeah, Queensland, yeah. I reckon if you're out Brizzy, I'll tell you who the, the absolute geniuses that was the RAAF roulettes. So the pilots used to always go out if they were in an event, say Gold Coast Indy, for instance, right. they uh, would always go out men make, in uniform. making Good. sure that they were in their uniform. Couldn't quite do that for our swimming after no. parties. That would look a little bit strange. <laughs> yeah, out at the nightclub in the super suits. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's an image I don't want to have, actually. 0457 736 uh, Just back to the discussion that we were having off the very top of the show and obviously in relation to Paul Green's passing throughout the week and the pressure on, on coaches, the pressure on sports, men and women who, um, uh, you know, essentially find themselves out of a job and, and looking for what? next. Uh, the way to get away from social media, says this caller is, uh, this texter rather, is to get off social media. I mm. don't have social media. It may be different for your everyday person like me compared to high profile people, but we need more and more high profile people to get off social media. Look, I, I think you make a really good point about that and, and I know from, from my experience as a father for two young daughters, we used to say that to them as well. Get off your phone, get off social media. However, the reality is that that's how a lot of the conversations go and a lot yeah, of the communication. You, you, so whilst it's it's easy, and Maggie, I'm sure you can dive in on this, it's it's easy to say, just get off it. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's not that easy for those who are... Who different are, generations. Correct. Like you, you socially alienate a young person if you say get off social media yeah. completely because that's how so many people uh, stay in contact, socialize, organize events. Uh, they're in group chats. They're on Facebook events. They're sending Snapchats to each other. It's, it's a different generation. And look, I, I can understand that uh, point of view. And for for someone, for even for someone my age now, at 31 years of age, I could probably get off social media and it wouldn't impact my life that mm -hmm. much, right? But for for a, a player these days, a current player, that's it's just not really a realistic thing to suggest. And beyond that, a lot of the contracts that you'll get for sponsors uh, outside of the game, you, you have obligations through social media. You've got to go to events and post about the sponsor or, you know, so it's... It'd be nice to live in a world where, where you could get, just get off social media altogether, but it's not necessarily a realistic outcome. And I think the, the good part of what's happening around the world, and you go to you know some of the highest profile athletes in the world, Lewis Hamilton, for instance, are using social media to say this is a platform for us not to hate against each other. So whilst the, you know, the, the easy fix, like you say, Maggie, is just get off the thing, uh, those that 
face the reality that that's, that's not a possibility, essentially, are, are then using that platform to say, okay, well, let's just think about how we use this social media and, and what we say about each other and, you know, hashtag don't hate and all that kind of stuff. So mm. at least there is that input coming. Yeah, social media is just ingrained now. That would be like saying to a person, you know, don't use emails or, you know, don't have a mobile phone. It's just this day and age, it's, it's not really possible, particularly for our younger athletes. Yeah, and I think Australia's put some some processes in place with regards to protecting people online as well. I think um, you know, we're, we're one of only two countries to have an e-security uh, commissioner which looks after um, yeah, the, the safety of people um, who use um, social media platforms and then recently the Senate has passed some um, legislation in and around protecting people on, on those platforms. So look, it's, it's the reality. One thing I see with the players that I've coached in, in both codes now, as soon as the game finishes, the first thing they do is go to their their, their bag phone. and grab their yeah. phone. That's yeah. what that's the reality, and I'm sure that's the same in, yeah. in the Olympic sports as well, Maggie. Um, so that's where we're at. Um, but there's some good things happening in the background that um, you know the Senate have done with regards to passing legislation, and people like Aaron Mullen that have been great in that space. Mm. We spoke about through the Commonwealth Games about you know the, the the era of going into camp, for instance, an Olympics or a Commonwealth Games where you were shielded from everything yeah. that came yep. on in is yep. certainly well and truly out the door. So now it's it's almost a two-way conversation. It used to be, Maggie, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but it used to be once the athletes were in there, they were effectively living that bubble until their competition Oh, finished. yeah, absolutely. The The Olympic Village was like this impenetrable bubble of, you know, no one had access. No one. It was almost a stuff, stuff of folklore what happened in an Olympic Village. Yeah. It's like this mystical place where no one knew what happened in there and you couldn't access athletes and they'd sort of come out to compete and then go away hidden again. Whereas now with, with social media, you have access to all the athletes that are in the village. You can kind of see what's happening and what's going on. But yeah, it, it used to be a thing that the start of the swimming week, you'd put your phone away and not really look at anything or read anything until the results were done. But, but for athletes now, this is probably a bit of a stretch, but I'd say it'd almost be more damaging for their headspace to get off the social media Wow. than to be on their reading stuff. So that's flipped that much. They're very reliant on it. They're very reliant on it. And they almost, they need the positive reinforcement as much as the damaging stuff hurts. And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of the swimmers that were across there at the Com Games just recently were almost posting every second of their day. And the, it's just, it's, it's how they've grown up. It's what they're used mm. to. And to take that away just wouldn't be realistic. The Roosters are starting to arrive here, so making their way across the ground from their base just next door. So the Roosters heading on out. Think, We've is, is, that the the best, is that the best colourway in the NRL, the, the red, white and blue? The best The best what? The best colourway. They're, they're like, I'm looking at their tracksuits and stuff there. Pretty sharp. Yeah. Like you, could, you could wear that up the street into to Paddington and go to the pub in the red, white and blue <laughs> tracksuit and you wouldn't look out of place. As opposed to your cricket whites. The Cowboys actually, uh, they, they've got very similar. I mean, they don't have the red stripe, but when they were out there before, they wear the blue um, full-blown tracksuits as bad. well. It was only just the yellow Cowboy logo that you really sort of noticed straight up. Yeah, it's yeah. not bad. I, what's, I, your, what's your favourite tracksuit, Sebes? From playing, coaching, even now if the Great Britain team, like the, the English rugby well, the team, English they have be pretty good. good. The, the English, the English tracksuit is they call them anthem jackets, so they're white jackets. What brand? Um, Umbro. Okay. The mighty Umbro, Umbro. brand, yeah, sponsor yeah. England rugby. Uh, they're pretty good. They're pretty good. The white. It's. Um, Were the Broncos yeah. Nike? 
Broncos were, what were they, ISC. Yeah. Um, and now they're with ASICs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but they were Nike for, for a long, long time. So yeah. way back from probably around about the year of the Super League, yeah. um, Broncos went from um, Puma to Nike. And yeah. they were yeah. Nike for, for, for many years. Have you got any old Nike kit? Um... Probably giving it away. Oh, that'd be worth good coin. Did you now. wear the Pommy yeah. Jacks, uh, the Pommy tracksuit out? No, I didn't. No, no. No, we, we had coaches' meetings after our games, mate. We 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 weren't right. uh, we weren't out celebrating. Well, I know who didn't. Eddie didn't. He was firing up at people. That's right. Here he was at their CG. taking pot shots left, right, and centre. All right, we need to take a break. This is crunch time. It is brought to you by Isuzu. The D Max is born to tow. Coming to you from the Sydney Cricket Ground today ahead of the Roosters and the Cowboys match coming up uh, in about an hour or so's time. So full coverage of that right here on the SEN Network. Tim Manor will join us. Maggie, are you going to stick around? What, what are your plans this afternoon? Are you going to stay and watch a bit of footy? Uh, I might watch a little bit. Yeah. Someone's got to fill the stands here. There's no <laughs> Roosters. <laughs> well, there's still plenty of time. They might all be up in Paddington in the bars, aren't they? And they walk down just before game Correct. time. It's going to be packed here tomorrow too between uh, the Swans and Collingwood. I just noticed uh, Trent Robinson and a couple of the others from the coaching staff just standing out the front of the members' pavilion stand, looking up at the flags, obviously the Australian flag on top of the old clock here, and just trying to get a sense of what the wind's doing because uh, it is quite yeah. windy. So they were they were in deep discussion about it. There's a strong northwesterly wind, so the wind's essentially coming straight over the top of that members' stand and heading towards the other side, over towards the eastern side of the Bill O'Reilly stand. So We've got Tim Bailey on the panel with us here today. <laughs> <laughs> Drips and drops on rooftops and crops. That's right. Predictive precipitation. The little, uh, the little Taswegian who's now currently uh, sunning himself up on the Gold Coast and living his best life, T. Bailey. So if you are defending uh, the Randwick end, you're going to be running straight into a pretty strong headwind, I'd suggest, even though it doesn't mm. feel like it, I guess, down on ground level that much. But um, some of those towering bombs could be... Um, could be affected by the wind. So that's just one thing for us to keep an eye on. Pretty sunny conditions out here today. No sign of rain at the moment. A few clouds just hovering about, but um, the ground looks in absolutely perfect shape. Now, there's news just released by the NRL that uh, the, Telstra's, uh, the Telstra Women's Premiership will now launch the brand-new Allianz Stadium next door. So the first game on Friday, September the 2nd, will be the Sydney Roosters and St George Illawarra Dragons, which is the rematch of the 2021 Grand Final, played as a double header with the Roosters v Souths round 25 match. So the very first game of footy to be played at the new stadium next door will be the NRLW uh, Roosters v Dragons. That's that's a great outcome. Yeah, it's pretty special for the for the uh, women's uh, competition to to get on there first. Just coming past there before in the car looks outstanding and. Um, you know, it's going to be a real credit to, to Sydney to have such a facility like that. Uh, just on the text line, Jace says, uh, G'day, lads. Thanks for having such an important discussion this afternoon. I'll add that the unscheduled break by Australian captains Meg Lanning and Michael Hooper is also a great example for their teammates. Don't suffer in silence. Yeah, well said, Jace. Absolutely. Uh, another one from... Uh, what's this one? The pocket... In the Major League Baseball this week, Rodolfo Castro's phone fell out of his pocket as he slid into second base mid-game. You're kidding me. <laughs> now, there's wow. a giveaway. Wow. 
Yeah, yeah, that, there we go. The maestro's confirmed. The maestro that has been confirmed. So talking about uh, taking that to a, a brand new level, let's look ahead uh, for what else is going to happen around We haven't got our tips for this game. We have. Oh, well, we've sort of dug into this game. Okay, let's, let's do our tips uh, as we gear up for this one. Thanks to Dometic. Go on your next adventure, Dometic.com. Okay, Roosters v Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to say Roosters, which is an upset really where they stand on the table, eighth versus second. But just the last three weeks, they found some form. The physicality was the thing that impressed me last weekend. So I'm going to go Roosters in a really close game. Roosters. Yeah, no no real reasoning for this one. I just thought the Bulldogs almost got on top of the Cowboys at stages last week. And I think the Roosters are finishing with a wet sail. I'm, I'm tending to lean with you, but I'm going to lean the other way. Yeah. So I think the Cowboys, I mean, I th- their form's been extraordinary this season and the way they've been playing. The, the big question mark to me will be just how much the events of the past few days... Um, <clears throat> do play on them emotionally, obviously, and that goes for both of these sides, obviously. So, But I do like the fact that Ruben Cotter's come back in um, to the starting side for the Cowboys. What he offers to that team... Oh, he destroyed the Bulldogs last weekend. Yeah. yeah. His Ab- leg speed in the middle. Absolutely. So I'm going to lean towards the Cowboys, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it is going to be a tight one. As I said, we've had two shutouts and one blowout so far for the three games uh, in round 22. I think this one's going to be a very, very tight one. Let's hope it's a very good game. Jordan McLean is back on the Cowboys bench. Um, Kyle Felt remains sidelined with his own hamstring issue. And Sam Verrills has been named and is set to play uh, at hooker. Egan Butcher comes back after a one-game ban. So Ben Thomas is replaced on the bench. So we'll keep our eyes on any changes that come through from the Roosters v Cowboys. The Tigers have the Sharks up at Scully Park at Tamworth this afternoon. So what are we thinking about this one? I mean, the Sharks talk about a team that is showing great form at the right time of the season. Sharks yeah. v Tigers? Yeah, I think the Sharks will be too, to- uh, too um, tough for the, the Tigers. Um, yeah, it's great to see uh, the people of Tamworth rewarded with the game. So hopefully, I know when they last had the game, I think it was in 2019 before COVID hit, um, you know, they come out in droves there. So hopefully the region gets behind the game. I'm sure they will. But I think they'll be there to see a real quality top four Sharks team uh, perform well against the Tigers. Luke Garner was named as the 18th man, but Noddy has confirmed that he will be back in the side, Joe Offerhangari returns to lock. And uh, Sifa Talakai has been ruled out for the Sharks with that shoulder injury. So Matt Ikuvalu will come into the centres. Broncos v Knights, uh, Suncorp Stadium tonight. Bloodbath. <laughs> <laughs> Broncos. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I can't see um, the Knights being able to stop the Broncos from scoring points. So, yeah, Broncos there. All right. Did you go both go the Sharks? Oh, yeah, Sharks, yeah. If Sharks, that's a dry Sharks. track in Tamworth, they could run up a score there as well, I yeah. reckon. So Sharks to beat the Tigers there and both going the Broncos to beat the Knights, and I find it very hard to disagree <laughs> with both of you on all fronts. Uh, make your next adventure effortless with the Dometic Go collection. Just pack, stack, and go. We're back after this. Follow Crunch Time on Dabble. Go on, have a dabble. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Well, I tell you what, a lot of near misses for the Crunch Time team last week. Five one-leg misses stats, but they did hit with the Manly Eels game, a $6 same going multi. So they're still thereabouts, which is good to see. Yeah, they're travelling on okay, aren't they, Joshy? I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to start following some other people on Dabble. Yeah, yeah. Some of the... Uh, some of the uh, profiles. So, um, I mean, you're the expert. So I've, I've always been following Gorilla Pets. He's been really yeah, yep. good. He or she, I should say. Um, That's right. Who are some of the others I should be following? 
Well, Undertaker, Matt, if you're looking at some of the uh, rugby league, he's been on fire. He's had 26 copies for his Storm Titans multi last week. Uh, Trackside Tips is another good one if you like your horses. Uh, but he also is a big fan of the rugby league. A $5 same game multi. That was on Thursday night and had 30 copies. So that means that 30 dabblers have had a win. But, of course, some of the popular ones, like you said, Gorilla Bet. Uh, I, think he had, I think he was on fire the other day. He hit like three trifectas in a night. <laughs> I think over a thousand people had copied that bet. So we, uh, we took a bit of a loss there, but, you know, it's, uh, it's what it's all about here at Dabble. Yeah, well, he's, um, he's got inside knowledge, I think. What about Crunch Time? <laughs> what have they got this week? That's right, let's have a look. So uh, we're going the North Queensland Cowboys to get up over the Roosters. Cronulla Sharks to win by over six and a half and the Broncos to win by 13 or more points. That's saying 5-19. Obviously, the Cowboys, the outsiders there. What do you reckon of that? Yeah, it's an interesting one. The hardest one there is the, the Cowboys and the Roosters game. The Roosters mm. going favourites, even though the, the Cowboys are sitting second. I think everyone's anticipating the Roosters are going to make a late run. Uh, the back half of the cell, the back part of the season, I should say, and the, and the Cowboys in Sydney haven't been that great. So that's going to be an interesting one to see how that that plays out. I've I've basically focused on one game, and that's uh, the Sunday game, the Gold Coast Titans versus Manly Seagulls. I've gone Manly to win mm. by seven plus, and I've looked at the right side defence of the Titans, which has leaked a lot of points in recent weeks. So the yeah. right side defence means the left side attack for Manly. So I'm going to say their back row, Andrew Davey, score any time. Uh, Christian Tuipolotu to score any time as well with Manly winning by seven plus. So that's what I like that. Mm. I like it, I like it. And of course, uh, you can follow those tips very easily. The other cool thing that we're doing as well is we're starting to go live on the app. Uh, this morning, we had a bit of a, a uh, MasterChef contestant on doing his master best as well. So you can follow that live on the app as we uh, do that every Saturday uh, now, which is great. And of course, that's we're still trying to tee you up, but we know how busy your uh, schedule is. Um, but of course, if you want to copy those bets, all you have to do is download the Dabble app and uh, follow the Crunch Time NRL team. Follow Stats 13 and you can copy those bets with one click. I should say as well, the Premier League back. I know your son's a big fan of Liverpool, but uh, yep. we had a couple of people hit there last weekend. Are you going you gonna to have a go at that as well? Yeah, I will. I will. I'll jump on Liverpool pretty heavy this year because he's confident they'll win the, they'll win the Cup. I mean, uh, well, they had a draw last week against the yeah. uh, newly, uh, the new team to the to the EPL. So uh, yeah, but I think they'll be okay. Yeah, as long as Man United's losing, I think everyone's happy. So of course, go on, <laughs> have a dabble, dabble socially, and gamble responsibly. That's enjoying crunch time banter. Check out Dabble Banter channels and copy crunch time bets. Go on, have a dabble, gamble responsibly. Call one 858 858 Brought to you by Isuzu. The Isuzu D-Max is born to tow. We are here at the Sydney Cricket Ground. Just about to wrap up crunch time before we head into full-blown coverage on NRL Nation and around the SEN network of the Roosters and North Queensland Cowboys. Missile, I was going to ask you a very pertinent question about uh, rugby league and who would end up at the minor premiership, but you've now got yourself a meat pie here. <laughs> and we're thinking it might be one of the new fandangly Justin Hems um, meat pies out here at the SCG. Yeah, this is a Maryvale meat pie so i'll have to give you some feedback on uh what right. the maryvale catering's like it's a 
Is there a better smell in life than a fresh meat pie hot out of the oven? Now that you've taken it out of Jeez, the wrapper, it's a no, good it's smell, good. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. What the hell was I thinking bringing another salad today? Actually, just <laughs> just quickly, if the Cowboys do win today, it's interesting. They'll go to 34 points. They only put some four points away from the Panthers. At one stage not too long ago, the Panthers could have been 10 points or more clear than second place, but now starting to catch up. Have you got a, have you got a read on the minor premiership before we bail out? I think the Panthers still. Uh, it'll, interestingly, uh, Penrith play uh, Cowboys away for the uh, round 25 games. So Ooh, that could be right. really crucial. Yeah. What about you, Maggie? Yeah, Panthers, uh, but they're limping into the finals with no clear Lua. Mm. All right. Well, we'll wait and see what happens here this afternoon. Missile, you enjoy the pie. Enjoy the rest of your day. I will. Thanks, Steve, Matty. stick around. You're going to be part of our call, obviously, with Timmy Manor joining us very, very soon. So Roosters v Cowboys coming up from the SCG from 5.30. It's the Queensland Cup, Northern Pride versus Tweed Seagulls. And don't forget, crunch time now on Sunday as well. From tomorrow at 1, the Professor and Barney. We're back after this with more. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91